Amen. Well, there's not one thing the coronavirus can do about that. Amen. And he is still on the throne. Praise the Lord. Well, how many of you brought your Bible with you tonight? We hold up the Bible all over the building th this evening. And I want to ask you to take your Bible down and join me on page number 320 if you have an old Schofield Bible or the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, page number 320 in the Old Schofield Bible. And if you don't have an Old Schofield Bible, you go about eight books or so, maybe nine, ten over in the New Testament, over in the Old Testament, you'll find the book of 1 Samuel. Please leave your Bibles open and follow me along as we look at this passage, this text here together this evening. Now our plans are this coming Sunday to have the nurseries back open. Our uh, violet lights, uh, the uh, lights that we ordered that kills germs and stuff, uh, all came in, and so we're already planning to run those things, get everything sterilized and clean and so forth in those nurseries this week. So uh, we'll have a couple of those rooms open for the infants and then one for the toddlers as well. The nurseries will be back open. Just another step. Uh, on the way back to the land of normalcy again. So hopefully we'll have all that ready uh, this coming Lord's Day. I encourage you, uh, come early, you know, come through the lines. Please do your best just to kind of follow the instructions, the, you know, the, the uh, direction of our ushers right now. And, uh, you know, don't balk at it. Just try to follow it for right now. And then on our way out, please just be respectful. And by all means, if you're not feeling well, please don't come. Amen. You ever heard a preacher stand up and look at people and say, don't come? If you're not feeling good, don't come. Stay away. Don't risk infecting others. You say, well, I just got, I just got a, a sinus headache. Well, we don't know that. Stay away from us, all right? And uh, uh, stay at home if you're not feeling well. And uh, but if you're feeling well, uh, come on to church. Have you noticed it looks like the church is the only place you can come and get the coronavirus? Have you noticed that? You know, they're telling, man, don't go to church. Stay away from church. I ain't coming, man. I'm afraid I'm going to get sick. I'm afraid I'm going to get that virus if I come to church. Well, can I tell you, you know, you can't get it at Walmart. Lowe's, they don't have it there. No CVS, Haynes Mall, restaurants, can't get it there. Only place I know you can get it is at church. Can I have, and, and sad but true, how many of God's people have bought into that? I mean, the media is so pumped out in our mind, and God's people have just bought into that. But folks get up every morning, go to work. They'll, they'll, they'll stop by uh, the food line on the way home. Come on, it's preaching time now. They'll go by Lowe's and get some dead flowers back there in the rotten section for a dollar. They'll come, but you can't. only place you can't go is church, man. You go there, you're going to get it sure as the world. And we've got hydrogen peroxide falling out of the ceilings to take care of us. Don't worry about it. Amen. Don't worry about it. But if you're sick, don't come. <laughs> oh, brother. Am I contradictory in terms of what? Anyway, well, let's read tonight, 1 Samuel chapter 1. But isn't that the truth? And how many of people have bought into that? I can't go to church. I'll get sick. Are you kidding me? Uh, whatever. Anyway, all right. That's sermon number two. Now for sermon number three. Look at verse 19. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19. I'm moving my series on Samuel to Wednesday nights now. So in verse 19, the Bible said this, And they rose up early. Now, of course, we're talking about Elkanah and his wife Hannah. They rose up early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Before she ever, listen, before she ever found out, went down to CVS, brought the EP test, EPT test, and saw the plus line on there that she was going to be expecting a baby. For that ever come to pass, she's already worshiping God. 
You know something? Sometimes you don't know what's going to happen, but just go ahead and worship God. It's never wrong to worship God. The Bible said they rose up early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned. And then the Bible said, and came to their house to Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come, about uh, after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and his wife went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. And the Bible said, But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I'll not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, and three bullocks, and an eth one ephah of flour, and a bottle of wine, and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee there, uh, by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore also have I lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Man! Boy, have we seen a turnaround in a dramatic turn of events. Here's Hannah with a little baby boy now. Well, let's pray. Father, bless your word. Speak to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, for a few services now, especially on, on Sunday evenings, uh, we've been in the book of 1 Samuel, and we began looking at the story of one of Israel's greatest leaders. His name was uh, uh, Samuel. Now, Samuel, of course, was not a king. He was a judge. He was the last judge in the nation of Israel and actually oversaw the transitioning of the nation of Israel as they moved from a theocracy, which meant they were under the direct leadership of God, to a monarchy, which meant they were under the direct leadership of a king. Now, Samuel wasn't a king, but he was one of the most godliest and yet probably one of the most overlooked leaders that Israel ever had. I don't know if you've noticed this or not as you've read through the story of Samuel and in your personal Bible reading, but the one thing you discover about Samuel was he was a man that had a godly character. And the reason that I say that is this. Samuel was a man who could not tolerate evil in his presence. He couldn't do it. How many times do we see Samuel in the relationship that he had with King Saul? Now, boy, King Saul was a mess, wasn't he? He started out good, but boy, he was a real mess. His life went from the good to the bad to the ugly. I'm telling you, his life went, his wife, his wife, wife, his life got off the tracks, didn't it? And boy, he turned up to be a real mess. And how many times do we see Samuel rebuking Saul for his disobedience to the Lord? He couldn't handle that. But then when David became king, how many times do we see Samuel and the relationship that he had with David? Boy, such a smooth relationship, a good relationship that he had with David. You know, you can tell a whole lot about a person by the relationships that they have. Samuel's relationships with these different men speak a lot about his character. 
what he was as a person. But oddly enough, the story of Samuel's life really begins before there was a Samuel. The story of Samuel's life, this great leader, actually begins with a woman, a woman who was struggling mighty, who would eventually wind up being the mother of Samuel, the, uh, one of Israel's greatest leaders. Her name, as I said, was Hannah. Hannah was a woman with a great problem, who prayed a great prayer, who received a great promise, and offered a great praise. Well, this past Sunday night when we left Hannah, Hannah had went up to the house of the Lord. And when she went up to the house of the Lord, she wound up meeting the Lord of the house. Now, the Bible said that the house of the Lord was in a place by the name of Shiloh. And the name Shiloh means this. It means refuge or it means rest. Boy, Hannah went up to the place of refuge. Hannah went up to the place of rest in a time of great turmoil and trouble in her life. And Hannah found rest, refuge, and refreshment at the house of the Lord. She went up barren. She went up broken. She went up bothered. She went up burdened. But thank God she had a meeting there at the house of God that would change the rest of her life. Boy, aren't you glad for the night you came to church and you had a meeting with God which changed the rest of your life. Aren't you glad for the day that you come to the house of God and you had a meeting with God that changed the rest of your life? My daddy was in the army down at Fort Bragg and one time he took us down there. This is after he got out of the army. And they got a big sign right at the entrance of Fort Bragg that says this, this is the first day of the rest of your life. Aren't you glad for the day that you came to Jesus because that was the first day the best day of the rest of your life. I'm telling you, that meeting at the house of God, the place of rest, the place of refuge, that meeting changed Hannah's life. Look back in chapter 1, if you will, verse 7. This is what she was before church. The Bible said there, verse number 7, that last phrase, she wept and she did not eat. She was a mess. But then we read about her life after church. Look down, if you will, in this same chapter, verse 18, and the last phrase says this, that she uh, went her way, she did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. You say, preacher, what happened? How did she go from being sad to glad? How did she go from being not hungry to eating? How did she go from a place of no hope and despair to the place where she found hope? How'd that happen? I'll tell you how that happened. She went up to the house of the Lord, and she made the Lord of the house. Boy, thank God for a divine encounter that takes place at the house of God. Boy, I tell you, you know getting in the presence of God has a tendency to do that. I mean getting into God's presence has a tendency to change your very life. And that's what happened to Hannah. Well, tonight we pick up her story now in verse 19. And we find in verse 19, now listen, that we find that the Lord not only heard Hannah, but the Lord also helped Hannah, and the Lord also healed Hannah. I don't know what it was. She had some biological problem where she could not conceive and produce a child. But the Bible says in our text that while she was there, God did a miracle in her life. And God not only heard her cry, but God helped her and God healed her of whatever it was that kept her from bearing a child. Because you remember there in verse 19, it said, The Lord remembered her. In other words, it wasn't long till Hannah was up in the middle of the night. She was craving, uh, uh, she was craving pickles and chocolate-covered sardines and 
watermelon in the midst of the night. Yes, sir, I'm telling you, she was expecting a child. I told you she went down to the Revco, the CVS. She bought one of those early pregnancy tests. Buddy, she took that test. She came out waving that thing everywhere because that test said God had kept his word. God was going to give her a child. And it wasn't long, according to verse number 20, that Hannah got exactly what she prayed for. She prayed back up in verse 11. She said, Lord, please give unto thine handmaid a man-child. You notice I said, uh, you know, I said on Sunday night she prayed specifically. She just didn't pray for a child. She prayed for a man-child. I'm sure she would have loved a little female child, a little girl child, but she prayed specifically for a man-child. Be specific when you ask God for what you need. Be specific when you pray to God, talk to him about the burdens and the needs of your life because she prayed specifically in verse Verse 11, and in verse 20, she got a specific answer. The Bible said, and it came to pass after a while, Hannah conceived and bare a son. And I like this in verse 20, she called his name Samuel. Now that may not mean much, but the name Samuel means this, heard of God. Or it means this, ask of God. By the way, what a fitting name. She said, hey, I'm going to name this boy, I'm going to name him Samuel. I don't know, I don't know whichever definition you want to choose, whether it was heard of God or asked of God, but i tell you what I had, I think in verse number 20, she's actually just given a, pu a public testimony to the God that had hurt her, the God that had helped her, and the God that had healed her. She was publicly acknowledging an answer to her prayer. By the way, I think we ought to do that. I think we're, I got it in my mind, we're way behind on thanking God and praising God for the, for the prayers that he answers. That's right, friend. We're way behind. We pray. Here's, here's how we are. We pray and God answers prayer. And then instead of just taking a time out, 30 seconds or a full, and take a time out and say, hold on, before we move on to the next thing, I just got to praise God for this thing. I think we're way, way behind on that. In fact, can I tell you this? I think maybe if we would praise God a little bit more in the public for the answer to our prayers, maybe he'd go be a little bit quicker about answering the ones that we've asked lately. Amen. I'm telling you, I don't have a lot of Samuels in my life, but I just want to say publicly, I thank God for the Samuels that I've got in my life. The times that God's heard me and the time that God's helped me and the time that God's answered my prayers. I don't have a lot of those Samuels. I don't have a lot of them, but there's a few things along the journey of life that I prayed for and God heard and God answered. By the way, hey, can I take a time out and ask you, hey, do you got any Samuels in your life? Hey, brother, is there anything that you can go back and just put your finger on and say, hey, that's a Samuel of mine. That's something that I was burdened about. That's something that I greatly desired. That's something I needed for God to do. That's something, I, area I needed for God to touch. And guess what? That is my Samuel. God answered my prayer. Maybe sometime then before service starts, maybe sometime you ought to jump up and just say, preacher, can you hold on just a minute? Now, I know you got to preach, but preacher, before you preach, let me tell you about my Samuel. Let me tell you about the prayer that God answered for me. I tell you, I believe if we do that, he'd answer more for us. I mean, I have a tendency to do more for somebody that actually thanks me and compliments me, though I don't deserve it, 
But I have a tendency to do more for people like that than I do for somebody that I do something for, and they just pass on, never say anything about it. Don't you think God is the same way? God is so good to us. God gives us many Samuels along this journey of life. Brother, I'll tell you what, we ought to jump up every once in a while just like she did. She said, there's no other name I could name this baby but Samuel because God hath heard me and answered my prayer. Amen. You got any Samuels? Hey, can I ask you something? Have you said anything about them lately? Have you stopped a service every once in a while and maybe just said, hey, preacher, before you go any further, I got to tell you about my little boy Samuel. I got to tell you about something God did in my life. I'll tell you, she couldn't help it. She couldn't help but praise God, and she named the little boy Samuel. Well, then we read what happens in our text. The Bible said there in verse number 20, he's born. And then we move down to uh, verse number 23 and following. And the Bible says here in our text that Samuel stays by the side of his mother until he's weaned. Now let me tell you something about those years of, in between that time. They were not wasted years. Not at all. Those were years that his mother prepared him for his lifelong work as a leader and in the work of God. I can prove it to you. All right? Jump down, if you will, to the last last verse, verse 28 of this chapter. Now, I'm going to jump ahead of myself and tell you, she takes him to the house of God. And the Bible said that when he got there, I've got this circled in my Bible. It says, and, what's the next word? He worshiped the Lord there. Well, wait a minute. Who's the he? I'll tell you who it was. Samuel. Samuel. I mean, three years old probably. Most people agree he's probably three years old. And when he gets there, he already knows what he's supposed to do in the house of God. Where'd he find that out at? I think he had a mama. I think every once in a while he saw his mama lose her dignity in the kitchen. I think every once in a while he saw his mama shout her hair down. Y'all remember when folks used to shout their hair down? I think he saw his mama running around through the kitchen with, a, with, a, with, a, with an apron like she was going to lasso a, wild calf, uh, lasso a wild calf. I mean, she was having a Holy Ghost fit. And he said, Mama, what you doing? She said, this is the proper way to worship God. And boy, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take you to the house of God some of these days, and this is how you're supposed to act when you get to the house of God. Because our God is a God that wants to be worshipped. Oh, yeah. She didn't waste those years, those formative years. By, by the way, can I tell you this? Don't, don't waste those formative years. You know, the devil would have us to believe that young children can't learn about the ways and the workings of God. So many times we squander those formative years. Oh, we say they, they don't have it yet. They can't get it. And the devil tells a lot of people, and a lot of people sitting in church buys into this lie, and that's this. You know, you, can't, you, you can only get the coronavirus at church. Oh, no, that's another lie, too. I'm sorry. We buy into this lie. You know, the devil tells us this lie. Leave them alone and let them make up their own mind. Don't you force religion down their neck. Leave them alone. Let them make up their own mind about things. Can I tell you something? I'm so glad I had a mama and a daddy that stuffed it down my throat. 
You know why? I'll tell you why. Thank God I don't have a list of DUIs about this long. I don't have cirrhosis of the liver. I ain't been married five times. I'm not knocking anybody that has, but I've not been married 15 times. Got young and scattered everywhere, paying alimony out here and there and everywhere and child support. You know why I say that? On the basis of the grace of God and a mom and a daddy who stuffed it down my throat. And I'm so glad they did. Can I have an Amen. Boy, I am what I am today by the grace of God, but I also am what I am today because I had a mom and a daddy wouldn't make, let me make up my own mind about whether I was going to serve God or go to the house of God. Amen. By the way, you make them take a bath, don't you? You make them go to school, don't you? Amen. Hey, you make them, you make them do their homework. You make them brush their teeth, don't you? You say, I just just leave them alone let them make up their own mind. Then they got about this much rust on them. You know what rust is. How many of y'all know what rust is? How many of y'all, anybody in here, how many of y'all know what rust is? Y'all know what, you come to the country, you got, they got, if you don't make them take a bath, they got that much rust caked on them. They ain't got a tooth in their head because they've all rottened out because you didn't make them brush their teeth. And they're as dumb as a box of rocks and don't even know that one plus one is four. Because you didn't want to force it down their throats. Ladies and gentlemen, don't you listen to the devil. Hey, listen, children are not old enough to make up their own mind. They need some direction, some guidance. And let me tell you something. The reason old Samuel went up the first thing to tender age of three or four years old and he knows exactly what to do and how to act in the house of God, I'll tell you why. He had a mama that spent those years teaching him this is how things are supposed to be. Thank God for mamas. Thank God for daddies that will teach their kids this is how you act in the house of God. This is what we do when we go to the house of God. Hey, this is how to live right. This is what God wants us to do. Hey, let's obey God. Let's don't destroy our life. Let's don't... Thank God for mamas and daddies like that. She spent those years teaching that boy how to love Jesus. Amen. But then it comes to verse 24 now, and here's my message tonight. By the way, I thought that rest of that other stuff's pretty good preaching too. But then we come to verse 24, and it's time for the presentation. She is now carrying that boy up. He's old enough. And she's carrying that boy up to the house of God. You know, she made the promise back in verse 11, give them to me, I'll give them back to you. Now I guess it's time to see what's she going to do about that. Is she going to really do it? Is she crazy? I mean, is she really going to keep that promise that she made? Is she going to present that boy? Is she going to carry that boy up to the house of God, kiss him on the cheek and leave him? Or that, I'm talking about the one she prayed for. I'm talking about the one she wept over and, and cried out to God and emptied her soul. Is she really going to leave him and walk away from him? Well, let's read in our text what happened. I'm talking tonight about the presentation of Samuel to the Lord. Let me say, first of all, I want you to see, number one, what I'm calling the confirmation of the presentation. The confirmation of the presentation. Now look back in verse 11. And in verse number 11, we we drift back in our minds and we see her there without a child. We see old Penina persecuting her and provoking her sore. And Boy, we see the mess that her life is in. 
Boy, we see and we understand the hurt. Her, her heart's broken in thousands of pieces. So in verse 11, she just says, Okay, God, I'm pouring my soul out before you. Lord, I need you to do something for me. I'm unloading, Lord. I'm, 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 I'm emptying my soul before you. And then she makes this promise. You give unto thine handmaid a man-child, and I will give him unto the Lord. So is she going to do it, or is she not? Is she going to renege on her promise? Or is she going to follow through on it? Well, come with me now to verse 24. And the Bible said, And when she weaned him, she took him up with her, and all this other stuff. And the last phrase said that she brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh when the child was young. Can I say this? Hannah did exactly what she said she would do. She followed through on her promise to the Lord. She meant what she had vowed. She didn't make some kind of false bargain with the Lord. You know, where God keeps his end. And, and she broke uh, her promise to God. God had heard her prayer. God had answered it. And now Hannah is going to keep her word that she vowed unto the Lord. You see, Hannah is not like a lot of people in our day who make God certain promises and then fail to keep those promises that they've made to the Lord. I can't tell you, I've been a preacher now since I was 18 years old, and I'm 27. I, so that's nine years I've been a preacher now. A long time. But can I tell you something? I can't tell you how many times I've heard things like this. I've stood in hospital rooms, and I've heard people say, Preacher, if God will only heal me of this disease, I'll serve Him all the days of my life. I can't tell you how many times I've sit in the office across from a man and a woman and their marriage is literally just unraveling and coming apart. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard that man who's got caught up in some kind of a mess and he say to me, Preacher, I'll tell you if God will just keep my marriage together, I promise you I'll be faithful to the house of God. I can't tell you how many times that I've heard people say something like this, if God will just get me out of this mess... If God will just solve this problem for me, I'll serve him all the days of my life. Many people in a time of crisis, many people will make God promises in a time of need and crisis in their life only to forsake those promises and to forget those promises when the crisis has now passed. Amen. So I had them to put this up on the screen. Look up on the screen, if you will. Many people are long on promises, but short on performances. Can I have an amen? A lot of folks will say to God, God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. God, if you'll get me out of this mess, if you'll keep me from going to jail, God, if you'll straighten this out with the internal revenue service, God, if you'll keep from taking everything I got, Lord, if you'll keep my marriage together, Lord, if you'll heal my child, Lord, if you'll heal me, God, if you'll do this or do that for me, I promise you, God, I'm going to do this for you, only to find... They're long on them promises, but they're short on their performances. Boy, can I just say this? I'm glad God's not like that. Amen. Boy, aren't you glad that God always honors His promises to us? We're told in the Bible two great characteristics of God is that He's faithful and He's just. I mean, can I break that down in Forsyth County language? He's faithful. That means he always will in each and every case. There'll never be a time when he won't. I'm telling you, God is a faithful God. He'll always keep his promise. He'll never renege. He'll never break his promise. He'll never back out. He'll never say, let me reconsider that. He'll never say, I misspoke. Thank God he's a God who'll keep his promises to us. Let me show you a verse. Look at this, Joshua 21, 45. There failed not aught 
of any good thing which the Lord has spoken unto the house of Israel all came to pass. How many promises will God keep? All of them. How many promises God said this is going to happen? How many will come to pass? Every last one of them. I don't care how impossible that it may seem. I don't care how improbable that it may seem. I don't care how, how uh, outstanding it may seem. I just want to tell you, in each and every case, God will always keep his promise. And thank God, Hannah kept her promise. I'm talking about the, I'm talking about number one, the confirmation in the presentation. Number two, quickly, not only the confirmation in the presentation, but I want you to see this, the consecration in the presentation. Now what do I mean by that? Well, we read in our text according to verse 24 that when Hannah goes up to the house of God with Samuel, the Bible says she doesn't go up empty-handed. I mean, verse number 24 says she takes a bullock and some flour, a bottle of juice. I mean, she will not go up to the house of God without anything in her hands. In other words, when she goes up to the house of God, she got her hand full. Amen. Don't look down. We ain't praying right now. But you know something? Can I tell you something? She was so grateful for what God had done for her, how God had blessed her, how God had heard her. That's my Samuel. He, she was so grateful for what the Lord had done for her, she couldn't help but give to the Lord. She come up there. She's not only got that little boy by her, by her hand, but in this arm over here, she's carrying a bullock. I don't know how she carried a bullock. Maybe she's got a string. Maybe she's got a leash, and she's leading a, leading a boy in one arm and a bullock in the other arm. And here in this pocket, she's got an ephah, a flower. And over here in this pocket, she's got a bottle of juice. She's got everything she can possibly carry. You know why? She's going to the house of God. And the God of heaven has been so good to her, she can't help but give back to God out of the goodness and the blessings and the benefits that he's bestowed upon her life. Amen and amen. Boy, God, our God deserves our best, doesn't he? I'm so thankful. Can I tell you, I'm so thankful for those of you that continue to give to the Lord through the church during those months of being away. Thank you, those of you that drove by and maybe just rolled your window down and threw your offering out the window. And I had Brother Mark, some of the men chasing him things down through the parking lot. No, I'm kidding about that. Thank you for driving up, saying, Preacher, I know this Sunday Stewardship Sunday. Man, I don't want to miss that. Thank you. And you just cracked a hole in the window and stuck an envelope through. Thank you for those of you that, that, that mailed it in. Thank you for those of you that got online and, and did the online giving. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for giving to the Lord through the church. He deserves our best. He deserves our giving. But let's just face it. A lot of people during those months that we were away, they just let it go on by and didn't even think about giving to God. And here we are now two and a half months later and you still hadn't made up for the last two and a half months. Amen. You know what you ought to do? You ought to come up here Sunday morning with a boy in one hand and a bullock on the other hand and an ephah and flour in this pocket and a bottle of Welch's grape juice or a great berry splash Kool-Aid and this bottle right here and you ought to come up here and walk in the door and say, hey, where's the receptacles? Hey, I got to give. 
God's been too good for me. I can't come up here and worship him without anything. She, man, I'll tell you, you know what she did? She was, I know, I know the bullock and the flower and the bottle. I know that was little. But bless her heart, when she come bringing that boy, I mean, that's the best she could do. I mean, you couldn't do no better than that. That's the best she had. Samuel, that was her prayer. That was, that was her answer right there. And here she comes of all things, bringing that boy up there to the house of God. And she says, Eli, she said, I just want to tell you, this is my Samuel. Amen. I mean, buddy, she brought everything that she had with her to the house of the Lord. By the way, can I answer this question? How could she do that? I mean, you think about the atmosphere around the house of God at that time. I mean, I already told you that Eli had them two boys, Hophni and Phinehas. They were wicked boys. Eli probably, I mean, he was old, and the Bible said, and I'm not making fun of him, but he was a fat man, and he was old, and over in chapter 4, he's going to fall out of a chair and break his neck. He wasn't very agile, and he was letting all that stuff, and them women, them women, them boys was laying with women right there in the house of God. How's she going to take that little boy up there into that wicked atmosphere and turn him, of all places, in the house of God. Boy, I'll tell you something. Uh, can, can I just preach right here for just a minute? Can I tell you something? There's a lot of wickedness that goes on in the house of God. I wish I didn't have to say that. But can I tell you something? There's a lot of churches in, this, in America. They're just, they're just, they're just cover-ups for hell holes. This is running around with that one's wife and that one's running around with that one's uh, husband and, and she's running around with his wife. You'll get it. He's running around with her husband. This one's messing with little boys and that one's messing with little girls. And this one's smacking his wife and this one's buying liquor. This is buying his weed. This one's smoking his drugs. And buddy, they want to come into church and sing about how much they love Jesus and act like everything's all right. Can I tell you something? That's nothing more than a cover-up for a hell hose, all that is. Boy, if there's ever a place we ought to be able to come and be real and genuine and bless God, walk with God and not run to every country music concert or rock music concert. Bless God. This is the house of God. It's about time we started walking right again. How's she going to take that boy up there where they're jamming for the lamb, sleeping with women and laying around getting drunk in the house? How's she going to leave him there? Only way I know is this. She'd give him to the Lord. He was the Lord's. And she just trusted God to take care of it. How are you going to turn your babies loose in this wicked world? Crazy people walking up and down, throwing cinder blocks through the windows. How in the world are you going to turn your babies loose? All I know is I gave them to God. <laughs> you say, I don't even know where my boy's at tonight. Can I tell you this? God does. I've not seen him for years. God has. You say, I gave him to the Lord and he's going crazy. That's okay. God knows where he's at. Amen, preacher. Maybe she could take him up there and just let him go into that wicked place, that ungodly place. How's she going to do it? Maybe she's, maybe she's worried about it. But I tell you, she just said, well, I know one thing. God gave him to me. I gave him back to God. He belongs to God. God will take care of him. <laughs> well, you didn't get blessed as good as I did, but that's pretty good. She took him and brought him to the Lord. She gave him to the Lord. Look at verse 28. As long as he liveth, 
She gave him to the Lord. So here we go. We're done. So we got the confirmation in the presentation. We've got the consecration in the presentation. Let me just, um, I, I got another point, but I'm going to move on to the final one because this is one I'm going to have most fun with. And that's this. We have the compensation. The compensation in the presentation. You say, what do you mean, preacher, by that? Well, watch this now. Here she comes with that boy. That's her Samuel, you know. That's the answer. <laughs> That's God heard her. There it is. There's proof positive that God heard her. There he is. She's got him in her hand. And after all those years, three or four years, she's had him at home teaching him what's right. It's time to carry him up to the house of God. Now, if she'd been like a lot of people in our day, she'd probably said, Lord, you know, I, I didn't, I'm sorry. I was delirious, Lord. I really didn't mean what I said. But she brings him up. Now, watch this. She brings him up there. And I can see him. She stands there. And, I mean, first thing he does, starts. he has a Holy Ghost fit in verse 28. He's worshiping God, shouting, praising God right there in the house of God. And then it comes time for her to leave. And can't you just imagine the heartbreak that she felt? Can you not just imagine the tears that was dripping off her cheeks when she walked away from that boy? After all that prayer, all that burden, all that brokenness, and now she's got to walk away from him and leave him. And so she leaves him there, and she probably reaches down and kisses him on the cheek and maybe whispers in his ear now, you be a good boy, and you remember what your mama's taught you. Don't you, don't you act like these people around here. You live for the Lord. God will bless your life. And then she turns. I can see her. She turns, walks away. She goes a little bit down the road. She, she looks back and there stands that little boy on the front porch of the house of God. And he's crying now. And he's waving. She's walking down the driveway and she turns around. She's got, she, she's got snubs. She, and she's She's saying her goodbyes. Oh, she can go back occasionally and see him, and she will, but she's leaving him now. And, and somebody would say, man, preacher, man, how crazy is that? I mean, here, how can she give that boy to God? Man, that's just so hard. Don't seem fair, preacher. I mean, it just seems like it's living for God stuff. It's promises that we make. Seeing them through. Don't seem like it pays off. But let me show you something that I read this week. Look over, if you will, in chapter number 2. All right, I'm going to prove a point and we're done. Look at chapter 2, and I want you, if you will, to look at verse 21. Watch it. I want everybody to look at their Bible for just a minute. Would you wake him up? Yeah, you don't mind. Would you just wake him up just a minute, and then he can go right back to sleep. Look at verse 21. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare, what's the next word? Three sons. And, all right, so watch this. So she comes up here to the house of God doing what she says, and she gives one away, and God gives her five more back. <laughs> she gave one, and the Lord said, you, you can't outgive me. I'm going to see to it. That whatever you give to me, I'm going to press it down. I'm going to shake it together. I'm going to run it over. You give me one, I'll give you five back. 
God's not going to be a debtor to us. And whatever we give to him, you write it down in your little red book. He'll give us five times more back because you can't outgive the Lord. And whatever you give to him, he's going to give it back to you many times over. Amen. He compensated her presentation by giving her five more. So now she's got one up there at the house of God and five running around the house. You can't outgive the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Boy, he's a good God, isn't he? Just can't do it. That's why I'm going to bring my stewardship offering with me Sunday. Yes, sir. Every penny of it. I had it here every Sunday. And I'm not bragging, please. This is not pharisaical. I don't mean it to be hypocritical. But I've just learned something. A God, watch this. Come here. Come here. A God that can take five loaves and two sardines and feed 5,000 people. That's the kind of God I want with his hand stuck in my checkbook. Amen. Because he can take my little. I can give him my one. <laughs> and he'll, I'll be going home. God said, here's five more. Well, I, I didn't bless y'all as good as it did me. But it sure helped me come into a tithing sermon near you real soon. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you, Lord.